I'm Leanne Lord, and this is Human Story. Before the Taliban came to power, a Persian-language blogger was intrigued by the depth and insights and comments on his posts by someone identified only as Mahmoud. Living in a theocracy where atheism is punishable by death, they reached out to each other cautiously. Only after engaging in deep and thoughtful exchanges about philosophy did Mahmoud disclose a real name and identity. I'm an activist, blogger, and translator in Iran. I'm also an atheist, a dangerous thing to be in my country. It was around the beginning of 2013 when I decided to expand my activities online. Before that, I would mostly translate banned books, sharing them online for the public to download. I helped shape and guide a group of atheist activists that became quite an active underground movement. After the 2009 election protests, the estate had already blocked virtually all blogging and social media platforms. And being one of the countries that reserves the right to punish apostasy by death, It also does not hesitate to carry out capital punishments. I was talking to a group of people in a cafe in Tehran when we learned to our surprise that we were all non-believers. I proposed to work with each other and create a non-believers movement and a community of some sort online that could also meet in person. There has always been one rule for everyone in the group. We do not ask each other for our real names, phone numbers, or anything that could identify us. If you end up being arrested, it does not matter who you are or how strong you are. You will break under torture. And giving away a single name can end up creating a chain of arrests. After a few years of content creation online, we started gaining a significant number of members and downloads on some of our translations. In early 2018, I decided to start blogging myself and help the growing voices of non-believers in Iran that are often the target of an extremely distorted religious propaganda. One weekend, I checked the comments on my blog and noticed some very sharp and deep comments from someone named Mahmoud. The comments always ended like this. Please do not approve my comments for publication. You reading them will be enough. I'm scared I might be identified. Love from Afghanistan. Of course, I respected his wishes and refrained from publishing his comments or identifying him online but his insights were often part of my content. After BBC Persian hosted a debate between a theist and an atheist in the UK-based media, I posted a review on Twitter, 
It is not always possible to unblock the filtering or to get access to the content on my blog or my Twitter as both are blocked in Iran. The next day, I noticed that my review of the debate was retweeted by both debaters and for the first time, I had someone reaching out to me on Twitter. It was Mahmoud. Talking to Mahmoud started with a brief comment on my views on free will and philosophy of religion. The discussion quickly turned into a long, deep and interesting back and forth. I was amazed by Mahmoud's insight and we set the next Friday to chat. I waited and heard nothing back and after a week or two, I finally received a response. Mahmoud wrote that I am an Afghan atheist and can only browse these contents when I have private access and enough freedom to do so. I replied and we had another nice chat. It turned out that Mahmoud was the pseudonym of an Afghan woman atheist in Kabul. Her name was Sahra. Well versed in philosophical literature and history, she was looking to be part of a community or a group of like-minded activists. I slowly introduced Sahra to our online movement and she became instantly active online on issues ranging from women's rights and minority rights to the challenges and struggles of non-believers in Afghanistan and the importance of supporting reformists. Sahra was part of a family with an extremely conservative religious background. She told me that she was not allowed to go to the university by her father and the only way she's learning this stuff is through one of her friends that was a university student. I often hide my books, she wrote, because last time my father saw my books, it didn't end well, but I know enough English thanks to my friends and the internet, and so you know how it is, I can read in English and be more relaxed, because even if someone finds out the likelihood that they will know about these atheistic or feminist books will be low. I asked her if she ever considered leaving Afghanistan. Full of hope and optimism, Sarah told me that they are all fighting for a better future. One where women have a real place in society and I do not have to hide my atheism. There is one thing only, we need time. But I will be staying and fighting because I think we can win this fight. She would point out different women singers, journalists, and the Afghan girls' robotics team excitedly. You can't even imagine the depth and important implications of these changes. I mean, if it wasn't for them, my friend would not be in university, and I certainly would have been left with no hope and no knowledge, she said in one of our exchanges. I continued blogging and we chat every now and then on Twitter. Around 2019, Richard Dawkins' Foundation for Reason and Science introduced a translation project. The goal was to translate the books of Richard Dawkins into languages such as Arabic, Urdu, Farsi, and the Indonesian language to make available to download free of charge. I was aware from our members that my old and current translations were being illegally printed as paperbacks and sold on the side of roads by vendors and in some small bookshops in Tehran, Shiraz, and the religious conservative city of Mashhad. But I had no intention of claiming any credit or following up on any of the individuals who would change my translations slightly and publish them under a different name. 
I was just happy that my translations and other translations of these banned books were being read. Sahra reached out to me and asked me to contribute work to this project. Who knows really, she said. Imagine someone like me getting access to a proper resource on evolution. Even if they do not end up becoming a non-believer, at least it can open doors to tolerance and maybe new interpretations of the Quran. I had the opportunity to contribute to this project, and for Sahra I agreed to do this, but things didn't end here. Our group began expanding to LGBTQ plus members in Iran and Afghanistan, to ex-Muslims who were now new Christian converts in Iran or Afghanistan, and also to minority groups like the Baha'is that were the main target of discrimination and state propaganda. These groups mostly formed emergency support for dissidents and activists, providing rooms and a place to live for non-believers and LGBTQ plus individuals who were shunned by their families or worse, who had often received death threats. Sahra set up the platform for my podcast and named it Ionia, which is an ancient Greek region in present-day Turkey that is reported to be the birthplace of Western philosophy. She reached out to different philosophers and figures on my behalf and would often encourage me to write. You could be our voice in the English-speaking world. They, they might hear us. You can tell your story or mine. Just write and I will help. The podcast went on slowly but proved to be a better way forward in a short time. People would download our episodes from mirror sites that remain unblocked in Iran and would use applications for listening to the podcast that would provide easy access to these episodes. Then the application Clubhouse, a platform for creating and hosting audio discussions, gained significant popularity among Iranians. It became another platform for atheists and other minority groups to come together without worrying about unblocking the state limitations or giving their identities away during in-person meetings. Back then, when Clubhouse was an invite-only platform, I was invited and invited members of the group and Sahra. Sahra was specifically active around the importance of women's issues, the role of activism, and would often engage in conversations about the struggles of Afghan women and human rights of secular individuals and sexual minorities. We are making progress, Ashkan. You see that? We can make it a better future for women, for us. Weeks went by and I had drifted a bit from my online activities. In late 2019, I found out that Sahra was coming to Tehran with her family and could leave under the pretense of buying clothes in order to join us in one of our meetings. To participate in these meetings is dangerous to say the least. To being identified as the organizer of these groups or even as a member of any of these groups will lead one into dangerous territory of the intelligence service, the morality police and the revolutionary guards with the possibility of ending up in Iran's notorious prisons 
that have become accessible of human rights violation, torture, sexual and mental exploitation. There were about 40 members of our group when Sahra came in. She took off her scarf, sat in front of me and kept quiet until a member's presentation on the previous week's activities was finished. Everyone more or less knew that she was a new member and when it was time, she started to talk. With a clear, confident voice and a passionate delivery, Sahra talked about her experience growing up in Kabul and her struggles in learning English, her activism and challenges in finding books to read. As she was ending her talk, she paused and said, Is Ashkan here? The basement was suddenly quiet and everyone was waiting for someone to raise their hand, but nothing happened. One of the girls stood up and said, If he is here, he will approach you somehow. Remember, we do not ask people for their real names. Are you sure you have the right name? Sahra stayed to talk with others, but me and a few others left. Waiting in the supermarket near the end of the alley that reached the street, I saw Sahra leaving and I approached her. Next cross-section, Sahra, I said. Ask for cafe freedom. And continued to walk. came close and sat down in front of me after exchanging pleasantries and providing enough info about our previous interactions to make sure that we both had the right person, we got the chance to talk. Finally, I was able to meet her. Tall, with brown hair, a loose hijab and a handbag, she started the conversation. So, how's the podcast going? When will you begin writing in English? Anything about our group? About you? About me, maybe? Barely pausing to catch her breath, I was waiting for all her questions to end and answered all of them. We ended up discussing some works by Ushat Manji, Louise Anthony, and Keisha Ali on women, feminism, and Quranic interpretation. But when I wanted to order something, she said that she had to go soon. I brought her some books, my draft translation of The Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny by Kate Mann, my translation of Arguing About Gods by the Australian philosopher Graham Opie, and an English copy of The Case Against God by George Smith, and some other English papers about religion and arguments for and against the existence of God. She stood up to leave, and when I offered to take a taxi for her, she said, if my father finds out that I was in a car with someone that is not my husband, he will bring shame to my family, and I will be in big trouble. I will take the bus, I think. She was picking up the box when her scarf fell down. She looked at me as her eyes were watering and said, I can only be free in moments like that, you know, when I have no scarf and when I can talk as I want. Ironic, isn't it? I feel this in a theocracy and I know well that women here are fighting too, but I won't cry because I am hopeful. Holding the box in her arms with both hands and running to the bus, she turned toward me, nodded, and got on the bus. Friday night comes again, and after months of trying to sync our schedules together, we chat again. Sarah is worried about the so-called Afghan peace talks. 
How can they even entertain the idea? If Taliban comes into power, most likely my family and my relatives will force me to marry against my own will. I would have no access to education or books, and I have to say goodbye to my future. I know we are both closeted atheists, but as you said, wherever we end up, even in US or UK, we will still be using our pseudonyms. I know you are doing the same, even though you are not in Iran anymore. Our chat was brief and ended up abruptly as she had to go. I see the news and the Taliban is taking control of Afghanistan. There are numerous activists, writers and key local groups in Afghanistan that will be left behind because like Sahra, they cannot use their real names for their activities. They did not have the chance to make it to the robotics team and leave or become a translator for the US armies or finding positions in similar fields. Time goes on fast. Kabul is now the last city standing. Fridays come and went by and I did not hear back from Sahra. Monday evening, I saw a notification on my phone. Sahra had left a message on Twitter with a picture. Dear Ashkan, please keep up your work. I'm sorry, but I had no choice. I have to burn my box. It's just too dangerous. I thought we could win this. I thought we could make a difference. They wanted to leave. Fine, but why leave like this? All we wanted was to keep the hope alive. With no financial support and with the constant fear of my family and the Taliban, it's hard to even think about the possibility of leaving now. I can't even earn money for myself and work. It will be the same again. All entitled, as Kate Mon said, all men in positions of power and advantage. Ashkan, I want to leave, but I can't. I can stay, but can't live. This was the last message I received from Sarah. I continue to read her old messages and hope for another response. It is almost midnight and I am holding my passport as I am waiting for my VPN to connect and unblock the filtering one last time in Tehran's airport to submit what I have typed up on my phone since I have to reset all my electronic devices so as not to let anything un-Islamic or anti-government be found on my phone. We know this, Sarah. They will not hear us. They don't hear our stories, mine or yours. You said it. The Western moral conscience is always late blooming. Always after the fact. It's always after all the misery that they ask themselves, baffled by the question, why do they hate us? I wrote our story, Sahara. I made good on my promise now. But the word has betrayed you again. Ashkan Mehr Roshan is an Iranian activist, blogger, and translator. He is the host of the Ionian podcast for Freethinkers, offering content for a Persian-speaking audience. That was Human Story, a podcast exploring the human experience from a secular point of view, one story at a time. Each episode, I'll bring you a different storyteller 
one secular person sharing what it's like to be one of 7 billion living, feeling, thinking human creatures temporarily awake on a minor planet. So what's your story? If you have a secular perspective, a good story, and a gift for telling it, go to onlysky.media slash submissions to submit an idea for an episode of your own. We're especially interested in post-religious stories, stories about life after you're done grappling with religion. Give us a glimpse of what it's like to live in your head and see the world through your eyes. That's onlysky.media slash submissions. Human Story is a production of Only Sky Media, a home for journalism, storytelling, and opinion, serving the growing community of the religiously unaffiliated. Our show is produced by Dale McGowan with music by Blue Dot Sessions. Visit us online and add your voice to the conversation at onlysky.media and subscribe to the Human Story podcast on the service of your choice. Thanks for listening. I'm Leanne Lord. See you next time for human story.